0: Welcome to Elise's Point, conversation edition. I'm your host, Elise Goral, mental performance consultant and sport karate athlete. Join me as I talk sport karate-related topics with guests inside and outside of the sport. My guest this week is Ryan Sutton. Ryan is a Master of Arts student at Brock University and the co-founder and executive director of Heads Up Concussion Advocacy Network. He is also the coordinator at Peterborough Athletics Concussion Awareness. This week, we are talking about concussions with a person who has experienced them and studies them. I will put his information in the description if you would like to know more about this topic. Okay, so welcome Ryan. Thank you for being on the show.
1: Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, and I'm just really looking to know more about concussions as I know that you are you study concussions like this is your area of study and you want to bring awareness to concussions in sport and concussions in general.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've pretty much uh, tripled down in the concussion space. I have started my own nonprofit, um, the Heads Up Concussion Advocacy Network. Uh, we started that in 2020. And then I'm also doing my master's studying concussion stigma and sport, which I'm really excited to, to keep working on and definitely talk about within this podcast. And then I'm also doing some uh, concussion awareness consulting with a local organization out of Peterborough as well, um, which I'm excited to talk about a bit more as well.
0: Cool. But as an outsider to the sport, which is my sport, sport karate, how do you interpret the sport and what do you think about it?
1: The sport of karate is interesting because, like, for me, I would say the most exposure I get to it would be through MMA, like mixed martial arts. And there aren't a lot of MMA athletes with necessarily a strict karate background, but I, I also don't know a lot about the sport and I'm not an expert in that area. But traditionally speaking, like it's, it's two people fighting one another, right? And I'm sure that there's a tremendous amount of respect that goes on within those confines of, of the match or, or the fight. But there's also the element of hitting people in the head repeatedly. That definitely worries me as someone who is interested in concussions. And so, yeah, that's probably my first thoughts on that right now. Yeah, I would love to learn more about it so I can actually have a little bit more of an informed opinion on and how that would actually be or how concussions are portrayed in the sport. But yeah, I think it's really interesting, actually, because I don't, know what the mentality is per se, but the perceptions from the outside looking in is that there would be a lot of head injuries happening within that sport. Um, It's just understanding how those get dealt with and how those are managed within the team environment um, that I would be curious to look into and, and learn more about.
0: Yes, so you're right on where it's like we are a contact sport. Sometimes there are different categories. There are some that have very minimal contact but then the sport that I'm in we pretty much hit each other at high speed and then stop and then restart so we're still getting hit quite frequently yeah
1: yeah often like so when you're you're fighting in karate and pardon my ignorance here but are you typically aiming for the head are there extra points for hitting in the head is it body shots what is the the goal overall Great question. Yeah, is it like kind of like fencing where you're just trying to get a a hit in, or are you like actually trying to submit them in some way?
0: No, there's no submissions. Like we're we're pretty much trying to get as many points as we can over the other opponent. The rule set that I abide by is that you have the target areas of the head and the chest, so you can't hit the back, and it's typically one point to the chest for like any technique kick or punch Mm -hmm. and then there are one point punch to the head and then there's two point kicks to the head interesting yes
1: so they incentivize to like kick to the head because that it would be the hardest thing to land i'd imagine but it is interesting overall just the fact that they are encouraging people to target the head
0: that's funny that you took that that area of encouraging people to kick in the head but kicking people in the head is so much fun and um typically like i mean you can hit pretty hard with your head kicks but i wouldn't say like i don't know i've been in the sport too 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 long to actually like think about it in that way Hmm.
1: yeah from like just a base perspective and like i said part of my ignorance but as assigning more points to actually hitting someone in the head. Wouldn't that kind of incentivize you to get more points, especially, say, later in a match where you're you're down a few points and you're like, what's the fastest way that I can get more points? That's so obvious. You want to kick them in the head. It's kind of similar uh, when you look at basketball and how the league has shifted to more of a three-point uh, shooting to get more points when they're actually trying to score a basket.
0: I always just thought about it as like a difficulty level. Like it's more difficult to get kicked or kick, not get kicked in the head. That's pretty easy um, to <laughs> kick people in the head. But that's interesting. That's an interesting observation you made.
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. I yeah, is. First time I'm hearing of it. So those are just my raw thoughts on it.
0: Hmm. That was a in- good, interesting uh, outsider perspective, actually. Thank you for that.
1: Yeah. No problem at all.
0: Yeah. So because you are not an insider to the com- karate community, what is your relationship to sport and what do listeners need to know about you to confirm that you know what you're talking about?
1: That's a, yeah, a great question. So first off I played sport my entire life at high levels, specifically with hockey. I played triple growing up and yeah, it was subject to a lot of contact and a lot of contact sport. I played rugby. I, I actually coached rugby internationally with the Turks and Caicos team. And yeah, I, I was in, I have a degree in sport management as well um, from Brock University and I do study concussion stigma in sport. So I would say <laughs> sport is a major factor in my life and I am constantly staying up to date with sport and just in general, whether it be on the protocol side or the team side, I'm, I'm fairly entrenched in in a plethora of different sports, and and I like to keep up to date. And it's just something that's always fascinated me, and and I still play sports nearly every day as well. Whether it be basketball outside or just exercising, uh, doing some running or or whatnot, I'm I'm always staying active and, and trying to be involved in sport. That's for sure. And and okay. then sorry, just just to add there too. Um, yeah, just on more of the concussion side, like I definitely take a critical lens to how concussions are A, talked about in sport and dealt with because those things, well, studying concussion stigma in sport really matter to me and what I'm trying to or help athletes learn about the different stigmas associated with the injury and, and how the culture can be shifted around those stigmas. So Yeah, definitely have a very keen interest in sport and the role it plays in in the lives of many, many people.
0: Perfect. So this is a great segue into the next question, which is, why are concussions so important to talk about and bring awareness to?
1: I think, like, simply, there's just so many different layers to concussions that a lot of people don't understand. So like how it can impact a person's mental health, like how symptoms of a concussion can recover at different rates. So your cognitive symptoms may recover at a different rate than your physical symptoms. Uh, You have to understand the different processes uh, with returning to school or work and your sport and how those may have different timelines as well. And then also, like I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, just how, different communications around the injury. For a lot of sports that have or are warrant a masculine bravado in order to survive or to excel in the sport, um, concussions get, can get put to the wayside a little bit, much like mental health. So just being open and honest about like a concussion experience is something that I'm really passionate about helping to instill within sport communities. And yeah, I think like it's just, it's very, very important to consider. And every injury is also different as well. So that adds different complexities to it that um, you don't really see with many other injuries, right? Like with a broken arm, it's pretty straightforward. You put a cast on it, do some physio rehab, and then you're, you're typically good to go. With a brain injury or concussion, it's a lot different. And there's a lot of different factors and in the injuries manifest in, in very different ways. Yeah. And yeah, there's a lot of cognitive and physical components to consider. Yeah, there's 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 so much to consider in my head anyways. And there's also a long way for us to go. And it's really nice seeing some sports uh, have progressed in a lot of ways when in managing concussions. But um, there's still a long ways to go. Uh, especially with sports like uh, that have a lot of contact in them. There's, there's not ways that we necessarily are going to reduce the amount of contact that's had in the sports, but I'm um, just putting like parameters in place to ensure that they're getting the proper care for a concussion because I think sometimes with a concussion, it can get forgotten a lot of times that it is actually a brain injury. It is on the mild side of a brain injury, but it is a brain injury and should be considered as such. So yeah, I would say that's definitely a little bit about concussions and and how I see it in sport.
0: So um, because concussions are injuries that are invisible, and it was interesting that you said that they're a brain injury. They might be on the mild side, but they are still a brain injury. Mm -hmm. If I asked you to explain the physiological phenomenon of getting a concussion, how would you describe it? Just to put a visual to it.
1: Yeah, so it typically it can manifest in a bunch of different ways, and it's like if you get hit in the body, like you can actually sustain a concussion from like a jarring of the body, a whiplash incident, um, a direct hit to the head, and from a physiological standpoint, it like it can go through a lot of different things. So like neck pain um, can really aggravate a concussion injury.
0: Okay. So if you were to use an analogy to describe getting a concussion, what would it be?
1: Yeah. So there's one that we we typically like to share with people and it's an analogy of an egg. And it, it kind of showcases the invisible nature of the injury. So say for instance, like I had an egg in my hand and I sat there and I shook it. I was just shaking it for like 5, 10, 15 seconds or whatever on the outside, that egg is still going to look the exact same. But on the inside, if you're ever to open it up, that egg would be absolutely like smooshed around and it wouldn't look like its true form. Like the the yolk would be all split up and everything would be different. So that's kind of what happens a lot of times on a very dramatic level, I guess, with a brain injury or with a concussion. So like even though people look very similar, if not the exact same as they did before they had, or got hit in the head, or before they had the injury, inside there's a lot going on that they can't necessarily explain. Um, And actually another analogy that we like to use is that there are more neurons in your brain than there are leaves in the Amazon forest, which is is a pretty wild point. And it really, when I first heard that, it it sunk in a lot, because obviously the Amazon forest is massive. But our brain has more neurons than the the leaves that are present in that forest. So when you get a concussion, those neurons are affected uh, and they can be affected in various ways and they can affect different parts of your brain as well. So just having any disruptions in that neuron pathways can cause stress to the brain and, and it manifests in different types of symptoms.
0: Yeah, and that would explain why people's concussion injuries aren't always the same.
1: Exactly. So, like, people can have a concussion and experience different symptoms completely um, than the person next to them or the person on their team. Uh, and it's because it, it's just everybody's brain is different as well. That's something that also needs to be considered.
0: Hmm. So, it's kind of insider language to point fighters, which is what I do, and even fighters in general, of joking about getting your bell run rung or getting knocked out. Maybe this is an experience that you've had in hockey as well. What is the problem with this kind of sport culture, do you think?
1: Yeah, so getting your bell rung or bell ringer, as they call it in many different sports, yeah, that it completely, in a lot of ways, diminishes what a concussion is. And it normalizes the process as something that actually is just part of the sport. It's part of the socialization of the sport. And it can be very dismissive to people who actually have a concussion. And it minimizes the potential damage of the effects. And especially effects over time if you're you're getting your bell rung, say, three, four times in a season, right? Um, So this also... It can be seen as a form of stereotyping, which which falls in line with when you're breaking down stigma. Um, there's actually three dimensions of stigma. and the first dimension of it is actually like stereotypes. So this is a really obvious form of stereotypes for actually getting a concussion, and it can manifest in several different ways. Um, but most of them being in a diminishing fashion. Um, so yeah, definitely, I personally have heard the term bell ringer several times playing hockey. It was a well-accepted term that we would toss around if if somebody got the wind knocked out of them or if somebody got absolutely laid out in, in open ice or or something like that. Oh, he just got his bell rung. And you can see my teammate, and I've seen several of them, um, sitting there on the bench with their head in their hands, clearly distraught in many different ways and they're trying to overcome the feeling that this is part of the sport, right? Like there is that moment where people have to understand that it's not necessarily part of the sport. It's only something that we've been socialized to believe is part of the sport. Yeah, I'm definitely with my thesis exploring uh, the term bell ringer and how it has impacted people's perceptions of concussion and how it actually has created and manifested uh, stigma surrounding the injury.
0: It will be difficult to tell a contact sport athlete to stop doing their sport. Like, how can you do contact sport without contact? I mean, I guess you can, but it would change the game completely. So what are some things that athletes should be aware of?
1: I think they need to be aware of first of all, the different symptoms that can come with concussions. And I think by now, I would say most people understand the symptoms, but like in terms of like you get a headache or are feeling lightheaded or dizzy or get a sudden burst of anxiety, all these different things. But it's actually knowing to step outside of like, I need to be back playing and think of it more in a long-term view and just think like, this sport isn't forever. It's not going to define my life unless you are a professional level or a national level athlete. So there are different uh, factors to consider with the different level of sports you play, right? And I think that definitely um, shines through. But when you're looking at the research, there's there's more emphasis on, or even the public eye, there's more emphasis on elite level sport. But that's only a very small portion of what sports going on, right? So, and they, in a lot of ways, the elite level sport set the culture for the grassroots level sport. So it's something that that should be considered at a different level because, like, in a lot of ways, uh, you follow what the leading organizations in your sport are doing. So, if say. Canada, I I'm, i don't want to butcher this, but like Karate Canada or, or Canadian karate are setting a precedent that at the very top level, bell ringers are, are getting your bell rung is acceptable. Then it can be very difficult to uh, kind of change that narrative throughout the, the grassroots levels. But I would say like creating a culture of supporting one another opposed to pushing people through and like seeing A concussion is a sign of weakness is something that will also have to kind of change uh, the way that people are socialized because in a lot of ways, especially even with mental health and and just like people having or people being questioned about their mental toughness, especially at the elite levels of sport or in contact sport when masculinity is so entrenched in what the, the sport embodies. There are those things that need to be considered. And that's where I think having a, a team approach or like a sport organization approach that says, hey, we are here to support you. If you are, in fact, going through this experience, our team like will support you. We know you're not going anywhere. We just want you to get the best care possible and to take the necessary time so you can come back a stronger athlete. Because you don't want, you don't want to see athletes at the end of their career who are absolutely just broken. Right? Like, and you, you do see that fairly often. And it's, it's honestly a disturbance in a lot of ways to their life moving forward outside of sport. And a lot of ways can affect their identity moving forward in their life too, because their sport identity uh, is who they are and, and the person that they embody. So overall, I think um, athletes and coaches and organizations. It'll take them all coming together and to really level out and understand what the injury is, how it can be tackled together and and how organizations as a whole can change the narrative on the way the injury is approached. Just like getting rid of that term bell ringers, right? Like I think that's a very uh, good first step and like understanding, hey, if you did get a bell ringer, do you want to talk about it right like just something as simple as that opposed to like oh you're all right you'll get right back in there i'm sure you're you're fine like are you sure they're fine or are you sure that you don't want to deal with them right now so you're hoping that they're fine sort of thing yeah it's it there's when you look at it from different stakeholder levels i don't want to put a lot of onus on the athlete because there's so many different pressures that are involved with it but ultimately, if the athlete isn't getting the, the care or the consideration that they, they need from their teammates, coaches, and organizations, they, they will have to take a stand on their own. And that's kind of the spot that we're in right now, I think. But as organizations become more aware and with the implementation of Rowan's law, it's it's getting better. So there is a lot to look forward to in that way. But I think overall It's just it calls for an uh, uh, overhaul in the way that or the way that organizations actually look at the injury. Yeah, I think, honestly, the culture aspect is so important to all of this. I really do.
0: Yes, well said. But I'd like to go back to this point where it's like it is easy to tell people to get back out there, especially when it's not your own brain. What can coaches and organizations do to monitor and prevent concussion as well as include the athlete after they've had a concussion.
1: Yeah, so that's something that I'm definitely interested in exploring further, especially to where I'm at now in my knowledge base and this understanding of all of this. But for right now, like my the thing that I truly believe in is full communication. So just communication and really strong, healthy communication on both sides. Um, So understanding that the coach, there is an onus on them, whether people want to believe it or not, to set that culture in place within that team to have these open conversations, to have like check-ins with your players, to see how they're actually doing, not how you want them to be, but how they're actually doing. So I think that's a really important first step. So if anybody has a suspected concussion, just sit them out for the rest of the practice. And if they are absolutely certain that they can join back in, maybe I would consider putting them back in. But I'm pretty sure with the new Rowan's Law Protocol, if there is a suspected concussion at all, that person is to be removed from play completely and there to go see a doctor if there is ever any question. Um, So just being with those, the players in those circumstances and just, or athletes, sorry, in those circumstances and actually just guiding them opposed to questioning what they're going through. I think what gets lost sometimes in all of this is the fact that no athlete wants to sit out from a concussion, right? So like the athletes who actually do take that time or sorry, no athletes just want to sit out from an injury in general. But when it's with a concussion, there's so many additional layers because of the individual or invisible nature and individualized nature of the injury that it it really takes a community to help them through it because when you have these stereotypical terms like bell ringers that can perpetuate certain types of fear then they feel like they're kind of like they have to fall in line with what the culture is dictating. Um, So for coaches, they play a very integral role in all of this. And I think just it starts with open communication and allowing the players to feel comfortable coming to them if they are suspected or suspecting a concussion or if they feel like they aren't healing on time. And it's a very like the recovery process for a concussion is nonlinear, too. So I think that's a really important thing to consider. Um, so it's not like, OK, I have a concussion. I will be back in two weeks. It's like I'm going to try my best to get back in two weeks and then reevaluate at that time and then say if I actually do go back for practice uh, and I don't feel right, then I may have a little setback. But it doesn't mean I'm going to stop the process of trying to get back to sport. It just means that it's going to be a little different than I originally imagined it. Um, So I also am not a big advocate for expectations in the concussion recovery. Um, Because it's such a nonlinear recovery process, expectations can really affect people's mental health, especially in a sport context. So um, looking at say I sustained a concussion and this has happened to me personally so and I was told I could uh, get back in playing in around two weeks and so I did everything I absolutely possibly could in that two weeks and I wasn't ready to come back in a month and the pressure that I personally felt from my teammates and my coaching staff was in a lot of ways unfair but but when like when you think about it too, like that's what they were socialized to believe, and that that's how they were socialized in hockey and sport to like like nobody sits out in uh, with a concussion in the year twenty ten, right or twenty twelve. Nobody really would take that time, especially in a small town um, in Peterborough, um, to actually do that. So yeah, I think coaches have an integral role in somebody's concussion recovery because it affects more of like, yes, the physical symptoms, but also a lot of the psychological aspects of the injury. If you don't feel support from your coach, you are going to have a lot worse time uh, going through your concussion and and reintegrating back into sport. So communication is key.
0: Right. And that's so interesting. Coming from an athlete's perspective, I can see how you've gone through a traumatic experience of getting a concussion. And then you not only feel isolated from your team, but you also are like, I'm going to lose all the progress that I have already gained. And I am, especially if you're competing and you're on like, a really have a really good momentum going, I'm going to be forgotten. How can like, athletes deal with that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question because all of those thoughts definitely go through your head. And for an athlete, it may be different in an individual sport uh, to a team sport. But yeah, those those types of questions are difficult. Um, but there's one thing that I, I have learned throughout all my concussions, and I've had eight of them, is that you end up coming out of them for the most part at least understanding more about yourself and some of the physical like even coordination can be hard to regain and it will take a little bit of extra work to regain that aspect but you're going to learn a lot more about yourself throughout that process than you may have ever anticipated because that the recovery process you're spending all that time by yourself you're in your thoughts you're thinking about All these different things, and you're also actively trying to figure out how you can heal your brain. So, there's a lot of different uh, things to consider there, but ultimately, just understanding that not having expectations can really help you, and you take it on a day by day, assessing how you're feeling fully tracking all of your progress. And I would even suggest like journaling throughout the whole experience, if possible, because it allows you to go back to see that progress that you've made. And and like I have said uh, in this podcast, it's you don't want to get a concussion. Obviously, that's not anybody's priority going into a season, right? It's just something that happens because the inherent risks in the sport. And by participating in that sport, you are accepting those inherent risks. Um, so it is something that you don't want to force yourself back from because there are additional more lengthy uh, risks involved with doing that opposed to taking the actual time away from this away from the sport and getting back to your full capacity but there's it, just like any injury there's going to be work involved with it there's going to be trial and error and it's an and with concussion specifically it is nonlinear so there may be setbacks but Um, If you do have that goal in mind of being back in sport, then let that drive you, but not to the point of, I'm going to do whatever it takes, even if I'm not ready to go back. Because in the long run, you're not doing yourself any favors. Like I talk to people all the time who are still dealing with concussion uh, symptoms or problems, like 10, 15 like several years down their life and and a lot of it does come from the way that they treated themselves when they were younger as athletes and neglecting their brain health because they didn't know better so now with all this increased knowledge around the injury we can really make a difference in people's longevity and their their brain health and their lives moving forward so yeah that's what i guess that's my two cents on that question yeah, there's a lot to consider though for athletes and, and it's not easy. So I'm never going to say that it's easy, but just being kind to yourself throughout that process and and understanding that you will get back if you want to get back. It's just going to take a little, little bit of time.
0: Right. So obviously people should be cautious about concussions, but should people be scared of them?
1: Hmm. That is a good question because I know that people definitely are scared of them with the more injure, more uh, information coming out on the injury. Um, there is, like, cause for concern. Absolutely. And, like, as I've personally progressed throughout my life, sustaining, I think I sustained, it was four, uh, four concussions before high school was done, and I've had four since. And I play a lot less sports than I do since high school. So the thing that definitely I would say could be something to worry about is the fact that it can be easier to get concussions once you've had a few. So that's where I wouldn't be scared to have, like to put myself in an environment where I love contact sport and I want to keep doing it. But if I get to the point where I've sustained, say, two concussions in the same year, that's when you really got to weigh the options there, because that's when you can start going down a slippery slope and actually uh, having it affect your life later down the road and, and allowing you to be more susceptible to injuries. So yeah, it's it's something that you want to monitor actively, but I wouldn't say for me personally, I wouldn't say you want to be scared of it or you should be scared of it, but you should be concerned and aware of it because it's something that is real. It is an injury that can happen at any moment. So being aware and prepared for that, for that injury and like even doing preventative exercises, like forms of cognitive and vestibular training to ensure that you have like the mental acuity to perform at the level you want to perform at. Ensure you're, you have proper neck strength. Um, that's something that I've been trying to or learning about in my body a lot lately is that I'm not, I may not have the same neck strength as I used to. And that may lead me to be more susceptible to concussions. So there are things that you can do, very small things, but they do go a long way to help preventing the injuries. But I would say the only cause for concern and and this kind of like concussions are individualized, right? And they are unique to each person. So I'm not saying that if somebody has one concussion in their life, that it's not going to affect them down the road um, because there is that possibility still. But the more that you have, the more likely you are to sustain longer lasting effects that will impact your life later down the road. So I'm not sure if that answers your question, but that's kind of my thoughts around it. There isn't necessarily a definitive answer, but those are different areas to consider with it.
0: Right. So short-term and long-term, what are some varying symptoms of concussions and how would it influence you in sport or influence you in day-to-day life?
1: Yeah, so for this one, I think that with short and long term symptoms, I wouldn't say that in the short term there's any like headaches is definitely going to be one. But all of the different types of symptoms they can present themselves at any time in the short term. One thing that has uh, that in the literature kind of shows as a a leading predictor to having long term symptoms is somebody's anxiety levels whether it be like before the concussion uh, and how they interact with anxiety and also during their concussion recovery, um, how anxiety impacts their concussion. So having increased anxiety actually can lead to um, the exacerbation of certain symptoms, especially related to mental health. And like in and really any other aspect, but anxiety can play a key role in long-term symptoms. And it, it's uh, seen as a 45% predictor to having long-term symptoms. So yeah, I, I think ultimately the psychological symptoms are the ones that, um, so like depression, anxiety, they're the ones that show the more, most correlation to having long-term effects and that's also where the, the culture aspect comes in for athletes. If they're in a culture that is willing to understand their mental health as it pertains to sport and in their personal life, like it can go a long way for um, preventing the long-term symptoms of an athlete if they feel comfortable and secure in their position on the team or in their like social uh, standing within the team or, or just... Overall, if they have positive mental health measures, they will be able to bounce back theoretically a bit faster than somebody who experiences high levels of anxiety or has pre morbid depression. But again, that's like there's still other areas of long and short term symptoms. That's like a a portion of them. And that's specifically what I'm looking into with my thesis. So there are different areas. But as for right now, that's those are the areas that I have personally explored and I'm looking into. Right. Yeah. And in terms of the anxiety piece, I'm also looking into that as it pertains to concussion stigma, because concussion stigma, the second dimension of concussion stigma or stigma in general, sorry, is fear. So as we may know, that anxiety uh, is heavily tied to fear and people's perceptions to it. So when you have pre-existing anxiety and you say you get stigmatized or, uh, or stereotyped with a bell ringer, the additional anxiety component on top of the fear that you may be feeling from the stigmatization can actually double down into this really vicious cycle. That, that's a theory that I'm, I'm creating for my thesis right now, but it's something that I think uh, merits a lot more uh, exploration, that's for sure.
0: Right. It's like mental blocks. And it's like if you're a gymnast and you fall off the beam once, you're going to, every time you do that specific routine, you're going to feel like you're going to fall off the beam. So it'd be the same with concussions. It's like you get hit by a truck. And then every time you're in that situation, you feel like you're going to get hit by a truck again.
1: Exactly. And, and speaking from experience that definitely over the years in hockey, Um, affected the way I played like it genuinely did like I'll be the first to say it I played a lot more scared after I had three or four concussions Um, because I didn't I was unsure if any hit that I was going to have was gonna cause another one right so that's definitely uh, something that I personally deal with and and fully understand
0: right so is it worth getting checked now if you have been like unknowingly like going through life with a concussion from like the past?
1: Hmm. That is a good question. And I feel like a lot of people may have that or those thoughts. Yeah. It, I would say that it's yeah, no, yeah, go ahead. It's like
0: ignorance is bliss, kind of. Like you don't want to know.
1: Exactly. And I do talk to a lot of people who who mentioned very similar sentiments of like oh I definitely know I had so many concussions growing up but just we never knew to check them sort of thing and they are feeling the repercussions on their mental health as a result but there was never that that linkage so to answer your question I don't think it's ever really a bad idea to go talk to your doctor about something like that yeah I, I really don't think it is and they could at least point you in a direction that could help you in some way. I'm not sure what directions they may point you in. But say, for instance, if a lot of your symptoms are um, mental health related, um, then they can point you in the direction of maybe getting a mental health counselor. So you can start working through some of those those issues that you may be dealing with. And then on, say, like if it's a headache uh, side of things, maybe they can point you in a direction to someone to work on your neck or with physio or maybe a psychologist. Yeah, there's there's many different areas that they can point you to. Um, It's just understanding that, yeah, I I don't think it's a bad idea to get checked if you are ever curious of, hey, I I definitely know I hit my head growing up or or within the last few years and and I want to get it checked if you If you even have that thought, that means that you probably should get checked.
0: That's a great starting point. If you have the thought, you shouldn't be afraid of going to get it looked at
1: yeah and and what's the worst that would happen, right? Like at the very least you'll you'll disrupt that cycle of constantly thinking about it or worrying if you should get checked by actually being proactive about it right? Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. I was wondering, my last question is, is there anything you would like to add or that you are wondering about as a result of this interview?
1: I guess I would just like to add for people who do want to learn more about concussions, I'm doing a lot of work uh, with uh, my organization, Heads of Concussion Advocacy Network. We have two podcasts coming out. We, We already have released two. We have one that's actually called the Inherent Risk Podcast. We have one that's called Uh, the Sharing Experiences with Concussion and Traumatic Brain Injury podcast that released this past June with the Ontario Brain Injury Association and the former Ontario Neurotrauma Foundation. Uh, We're launching a podcast in August called the Concussion Culture Podcast, where we're getting an investigative journalist, his name is Ari Shapiro, to explore the different sides of sport and society and how concussions or concussion culture has been created and perpetuated over time. And the last one we're also launching, we have this program called the Concussion Advocates Program, where people share their stories with us and we we share it as a means of creating awareness. We're actually going to be creating a podcast called the Concussion Experience that's going to go through several seasons of our advocate stories going through a concussion. So exploring more on their stories. And learning about the different experiences within concussion and the individuality of all of them. Uh, yeah, so that's those are probably the main things. I'm also doing a I'm working on a project right now for a a mini docu series. I guess is probably the best way I could classify it. And it's uh, pertaining to the removal from play, the recognition of uh, concussions in sport the management of concussions in sport and the prevention of concussions in sport. And that's through the work I'm doing with the Peterborough Athletics Concussion Awareness Panel. And we're actually going to be presenting that online on Rowan's Law Day to all of the students in Peterborough. So we're really excited about that initiative. We got a lot going on. And we're, we're going to keep building and creating more awareness and also doing more research as well. So, yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. And if you feel so compelled, please check out us on social media, Heads Up Can, pretty much everywhere, or headsupcan.ca uh, for our website.
0: Thank you for listening to Lisa's Point Conversation Edition. Thank you, Ryan, for joining me. Check out his work at headsupcan.ca. Did you enjoy the conversation? Please subscribe or follow me on any of the major streaming platforms. Please rate on Apple Podcasts or write a review. I love hearing from you and the ratings and reviews do help independent podcasters like myself. Music by Atch. If you're interested in what I do, mental performance consulting, research, karate stuff, and more... Please check out my website embodiedmentalperformance.com or email me at embodiedmentalperformance at gmail.com.